2019. It's going to be a good year. It's going to be a good year. Because Jesus is in it. It's not going to be a good year because there won't be any difficult circumstances. It's going to be a good year because we're learning of him and we know how to enter circumstances like Jesus enters circumstances. That's with victory in mind. Even the worst trial, the cross, right? It says he endures the cross, despising its shame for the joy that was set before him. He knew the trial was not the end. There was victory. And in that case, a victory over all things in this world. And so as we enter 2019, we're not saying, oh God, maybe finally this is the year where everything comes together and nothing bad happens. In fact, as you walk closer and closer to God, he's going to send you into more and more storms because you're actually carrying the peace for the storm, right? So I want to, last week, we had a little bit of fun, especially because that in-between week um, between Christmas and New Year's, People are traveling and sick. It's always a weird Sunday. Um, but I wanted to seed some ideas into the congregation, and half of you didn't get them. So um, I want to catch us all up a little bit on those ideas and then talk specifically, what does this mean for us as a church? Who are we? Where are we going? What does it mean to have a mission of equipping people to be and make disciples? What, is that, what does that mean, and what does it look like? So um, to bring you all up to speed, um, we started with Revelation 22. In Revelation 22, verses 16 through 17, Jesus says, I have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David, the bright morning star. And the spirit and the bride say, come. And let him who hears say, come. And let him who thirsts say, come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. This is a good picture. Revelation 22 is the very end of the book. And what is, it, what is the picture? We see the, this phrase repeated four times in those last couple of chapters. The spirit and the bride are saying, come. The spirit is the spirit of God, and the bride is the church in Scripture, right? We collectively are the bride of Christ. The spirit and the bride say, come. Let all who are thirsty come and drink of the rivers of life. We are equipping people to be and make disciples. Jesus said, go and make disciples of every nation, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. That is our role. He is calling us into this role because the Spirit and the bride are saying, come. And the reason it's happening, the stakes are very high. Revelation 19 and 20, we read about it. The white throne judgment. Every single person who is not found in Christ is going to come before this white throne judgment and give an account for their life. And if their name is not found in the book of life, according to Revelation 19 and 20, what happens? There is everlasting judgment they enter into. You have a soul. It is eternal. And we have an opportunity to cry out to God and receive the work of Christ on the cross, which is reconciling us to God. we know that many will not do it. We sing this song um, 
Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, which sounds like a really uplifting song, but if you read that verse in context, it's not happy. What's happening is there are throngs of people who never made him Lord. And in the end, they will stand before God and they will recognize he is Lord. They will bow their knee and it is too late. Every knee will bow and confess him as Lord. But the spirit and the bride are saying, come, do it now. While there is breath in your lungs, do it now. Don't wait. We are not guaranteed tomorrow. And so that's why in Corinthians, Paul talks about we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. It says we are pleading with people as though God is directly pleading through us. Come and be reconciled to God. Well, you can. Come and be reconciled to God. So as a church, our mission is to equip people to be and make disciples because that is the one mission Jesus gave us. That's the one mission. The mission wasn't go build churches. If you make disciples, you'll have a church. But you can plant a church and not have disciples. You can get a lot of warm bodies in a room. And I guarantee you, every Sunday morning, there are people sitting in churches all across the country, maybe this one too, who have not made Jesus Lord. And they might even go to church for decades. They might learn the rules. That's what Christianity is for them. They want to live a good, I'll live a good life. I'll be a good citizen. And so there's this outward conforming when there's no inward transformation. Salvation hasn't happened. They believe the whole story, but they've never made him Lord. And so for a lot of people who don't know Jesus, when they think of Christianity, they think of rule keepers who aren't particularly nice. Because how many of you know, without the inward transformation, keeping the rules makes you a mean person? You can be holy but mean. I'm just telling you, you can be doing all the right stuff on the outside, but without the inward transformation, it's not a joy. And so you look at everyone else, how dare they do that? Can you believe how that woman dresses? Can you, right? Where does that bitterness and anger come from? Well, clearly you're upset you don't get to do it too. <laughs> but when the inward transformations happened, nobody has to tell you to keep the rules. You, when Jesus is working in your life, you're like, I want to do it your way. Show me your way, I'll do it. When, when Jesus is working in your life and you're experiencing the sweetness of the presence of God, in your heart you don't want to do anything that would diminish the closeness you feel to him. No one has to tell you to keep rules because it's coming. It's coming from deep within you. And you're not trying to think, well, what can I, what can I get away with? You're thinking, how close can I run to him? How many of you experience the presence of God in a way where you're like, I don't ever want to experience anything other than this. This is where I want to live. He's just so good. He's just so good. And so we talked last week about how this is our mission, right? The Spirit, the Bride are saying, come. Our mission is to equip people to be, make disciples, to call people to the Lord. Um, and the stakes are very high because we will give an account for our lives, every single one of us. 
In John 16, uh, Jesus is talking about the work of the Holy Spirit. And he says, the Holy Spirit, he says, if I ascend to the Father, the Holy Spirit will come. And the Holy Spirit will convict the entire world of sin and of righteousness and of coming judgment. So even people who don't know the Lord, the Holy Spirit's at work in their lives. John 16, 8, convicting them of sin and of righteousness and of coming judgment. How many of you know that's true? How many of you have recognized the zombie craze? I think it's already peaked maybe. I think it's peaked. But it was like zombies everywhere for a long time, right? We tell apocalyptic stories. Where does that come from? Yeah. I think even for unbelievers, they have this sense of like, things are going to go bad at some point. There's a, they have a sense of coming judgment. Right? Because the, the zombie story is always like, you know, we, we dumped wastewater into this lake and it infected this thing that becomes a zombie spider that kills like We've done bad and now we're going to reap the consequences. There's a coming judgment. This is people working out this reality they're feeling without understanding what it is. <clears throat> Every single book ever written is about Jesus. The person may not know Jesus, but they are working out internal things that the Holy Spirit, they may, do, they may not do it, tr like, I'm not saying it's all truthful or all truth, but you read literature and you're like, oh, I can see what the Holy Spirit was doing in that one. Read Camus. Dude, that guy is so depressing. But you can tell the Holy Spirit was convicting him of certain things. And he never surrendered to Jesus' lordship, but... He was working out these internal, come on. C.S. Lewis talks about, there's a music we were born remembering. Right? The soul is searching for God. There are things that we just innately long for and hunger for. We were made in the image of God, but we're marred from the fall. Right? From Genesis 3. And so you can see this conflict and working out. So you don't have to convince people of these things. The Holy Spirit is already convicting the entire world of sin and of righteousness and of coming judgment. And there are moments where their hearts are ready to hear the gospel and receive it. We tend to feel like, oh, it's so hard to share because people don't want Jesus. People want Jesus. They don't even know it sometimes. They haven't, sometimes they haven't experienced his goodness. They're going to experience it through you and know they want Jesus. Jesus says, the fields are ripe for harvest. The problem isn't that people aren't ready to hear the gospel. Jesus says, the fields are ripe for harvest. So pray for laborers to go into the field. Pray that my father would send laborers into the field. The field isn't the problem. The problem is there aren't enough laborers to gather it in. Isn't that opposite? There's like a lie we get into agreement with from the enemy that says, oh, it's going to be weird and people don't want Jesus and I've got to somehow convince people. You don't have to control anybody to salvation. You don't have to pressure people. Nothing. You display the goodness of God. And when, the when there's a moment to do it, share the gospel. Why am I doing this? Because Jesus Christ is good. Here's what he did in my life. I have been reconciled to God through his, I mean, there's, honestly, there's so many opportunities, it's crazy. 
Um, Mitch and I signed a, um, we signed a lease. We're living in a temporary place. We want to build eventually. So we, um, we're moving to a, a kind of a temporary place until then. And I mean, we hadn't even sat in the chairs. Literally, we hadn't even sat down. We were still shaking hands. And already there's like so much Jesus stuff happening. It was insane, right? It was, it was crazy. We literally hadn't even sat down yet. Yeah. I'm just telling you the fields, because we were like, God, give us confirmation where we need to be. And I was like, okay, yeah, we should be here. We should definitely be here. We met one person, and they're already, yeah. It was like two hours. It was crazy. We went to go sign papers. I'm just telling you the fields are ripe for harvest. They're white. They're ready. Um, okay. I'm sorry. I'm still catching up from last week. we got to go faster than this. Okay. So last week, I want to take the story from Mark 4 and use it as some background as we move forward. Mark 4, and I want to keep this picture in our minds. We can't go through it like we did last week because we've got to get to some new stuff. But Mark 4, verse 35. I do love it. I, I do love the little cries. I just love them. Oh, 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 that is a cute baby. Mark 4, 35. It says that day when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There was also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. <laughs> I don't know, just even the detail. The boat's rocking. His cushion's fine. Like, I don't know, even the details. I just, I love the disciples. They're so awesome. Okay, the things they included. Okay, Jesus is asleep, no problem. He's sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him up and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? So passive-aggressive. He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, who is this? <laughs> Even the wind and the waves obey him. Like we knew he was cool, but what in the, who is this? Well, God in the flesh, that's, that's who it was. Okay, so I'm going to take that picture from the storm. Jesus calms the storm. And there's a few points we made. We can't make them all again today, but I want to carry a few in with us this week. The first one is, the Father loves to bless his children, but mature children of God understand that God wants to do things through us and not just for us. Right? Um, the, the winds and the waves come up, and they get all terrified. They go to Jesus, oh, do you not care that we drown? And he rebukes the storm. And then he turns to them, basically like, why didn't you just do that? Really? Do you still have no faith? Like, did you need to wake me up for this? <laughs> this is his response, right? What are you doing? And what does he say? Do you still have no faith? Either that I would get you to the other side or that you could just calm the storm yourself, right? When they go to cast the demon out of the boy, um, Mount of Transfiguration, that passage, um, while Jesus is at the Mount of Transfiguration, they try to cast a demon out of a boy and they can't do it. Jesus comes down and does it. And he's like, do you still not have faith? Like, 
Hmm. He says, you got to start praying and fasting. You got to do some things to get your heart centered on, right? What God says is true. Do you still not have faith? What is he saying? You could have done this. You could have done this. You need to start understanding you could have done this. There is a point where we need to move from, we just come to God and we're like, oh my goodness, I don't know. Rescue. To realizing we are the rescue party. His spirit within us. We're not just always like living our lives like from one need for rescue to the next need for rescue to the next drama. We are the rescue party. He doesn't want to just do stuff for us. He wants to do stuff through us. We need to understand who we are. You have been given the kingdom without measure. The spirit of the living God that raised Christ from the dead now dwells within you if you're a believer. So you come to a situation, you're like, oh God, it's so messed up. Send somebody. Do something. And he's like, I did. I sent you. Bring me to the storm. Come on. If you're the one in it, you're the one he trusts. Come on. Man, my, my uncle has cancer. My coworker has this. I wish Amber Wilds worked with me. She could be praying for all these people. He put you there. Come on. Mature, as we mature, we realize God just doesn't want to do stuff for us. He wants to do it through us. He's raising up powerful children. I didn't mind putting socks on my kids when they were one. I am not putting Luke socks on anymore. It'd be weird, right, babe? If I was like, come on, I got suck, 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 suck. <laughs> this little piggy. You wouldn't, right. He's like, mom, stop. <laughs> That'd be weird. That would be weird. Sometimes people have been saved for 10, 20, 30 years. And they're like, suck, suck, suck. This person was so mean to me. Lived in all kinds of offense about things. That person looks at me weird. Oh, Oh, no. I just needed a Sunday morning with Jesus, and this person is going to sit next. Oh. Come on. People do offensive things around you. Jesus had the man have the unoffendable heart of Christ because the thing that's happening is never the thing. There are spiritual realities under it, and you can go right to that place. And all this, this it's like you know, um, it's like uh, fifth grade girl fights, you know, like this. <laughs> people who are wounded are bleeding over all kinds of people that never cut them. You know what I'm saying? It's like walk around like this all the time. I'm so offended. They're so rude to me. It's because they're incredibly broken. Speak healing to it. Come on. Don't be offended. Don't talk about them. Speak healing into their life. 
God, you need to do something for them. He's doing it through you. God, you need to change their heart. He's got to reposition our heart so we know what we came to do. Come on. This is too long. We, this is not even the news. Okay. Mature kids, come on. Adult children understand. I'm working with my father. <clears throat> I'm still receiving from him, but I'm working with him. We're doing something together. Yeah? And the second question I wanted to ask last week was, do you bring storms or do you bring peace? If you're bringing storms, do it. And it's just an honest assessment. Paul says make an honest assessment of yourself. And honestly, as a pastor, I would say 90% of problems would be solved if we could just humble ourselves to make honest assessments of ourselves. Because there's work to be done. There's no one in this room that Jesus is done with yet. Come on. So to be able to make an honest assessment and say, you know what? I think I'm part of the problem here. That's life-giving. That's life-giving. Maybe it's not everybody else. <laughs> so just an honest assessment. Do you bring storm or do you bring peace? Because Jesus brought what he had inside of him. And what he had was the atmosphere of heaven, which is peace. Peace is the atmosphere of heaven. And when you've been abiding and you've been spending time with him, guess what? You carry it. There is no way that you go to times of abiding when you're sitting down in the word, putting on worship music, just taking time in his presence. There's no way you leave that more agitated, more anxious, more fearful than when you came in. There's no way. You spend time in his presence and what do you take away? Oh, thank God. Whew. You come into worship, what do you leave with? You should leave with peace unless you get really upset about the worship set. <laughs> drums, drums, loud. Why didn't we sing the new one? I like the new one. Okay, that doesn't happen here. I'm just joking, because I never want it to. So now we all know, like that's, yeah. Do you bring storms? Do you bring peace? What did the disciples bring to the storm? Fear, terror, right? This storm sparked all the, thi the things they're dwelling on, all the terrible things in life that can happen. A storm hits and all that stuff comes right to the surface, right? The storm hits and what comes to the surface for Jesus? Peace. Be still. What do you bring into your relationships? What do you bring into your circumstances? What do you bring into your work? By the way, congratulations, Todd. You don't get to bring anything to work anymore. How Was it 31 years? 30, 33 and a half years. Just retired this week. AT&T. Yeah, congratulations. <laughs> what are you bringing to work? Nothing. nothing. Todd's bringing nothing now. Do you bring storms? Do you bring peace? How many of you who work outside of your home, you recognize that every place you work, there's opportunity for storms? <laughs> you can participate in storm or you can bring peace. Make a self-assessment. If you're not bringing peace, there's some work with Jesus you got to do. Jesus is only able to speak to the storm because he's carrying peace. If you're not carrying peace, you can't bring it to anyone's storm. right? If you're not abiding in him, if you're not becoming more like him, if you're not bringing up who he is in your life, you don't have it to give. 
So every storm will toss you around. That's just true. Sometimes we even make the storms because we carry chaos. And we might carry chaos from hurts. We might have been raised in chaos. There's a lot of reasons why it might happen. But man, you can really love Jesus and still do a lot of damage. How many of you know that? Like, there's people I'm like, I know they love the Lord, but man, he's got to heal that thing. Or no job is ever going to work. No relationship's ever going to be long-lasting. No. When people who don't know how to live in peace want to bring you into the storm, you've got to speak peace to it. Come on. You won't believe what this person said to me. Well, have you talked to them about it? Aren't you my friend? What? How many of you try to bring peace and people will resist it? They don't want you to tell them, like, Matthew 18, go talk to that person. You don't understand. You just can never talk to that person. There's 20 reasons why I can't do the thing that would actually solve the problem. And I just want you to sit in my storm with me. There are some people, if you try to bring peace to the storm, they won't want to be around you anymore. How many of you have found that? You still have to go where Jesus is going. And you know, sometimes people will circle back around and find you when they're finally sick of all the storm. Because they'll remember the person that carried peace. How are we doing? It got quiet. I, don't, that, I thought that was a pretty light one, but okay. The chaos outside of Jesus had to submit to the peace in him. Spiritual realities are more substantial than physical realities. The physical world came from the spiritual world. Hebrews. Don't you know all these things you can see were made from what you cannot see? The spiritual world takes precedence over the physical world. The, the chaos outside of him had to submit to the peace in him. We know that we're coming to maturity in Christ when the world outside of us begins to take the shape of the world inside of us. Right? People begin to transform. We begin to see transformation. We begin to see things that look like kingdom happening around us. We know that the, the kingdom inside of us, his kingdom, is beginning to dominate the chaos. Jesus is making all things new. So that should be happening all around us as we partner with him. People are coming into new life. We should leak. So full we leak. Okay. Oh, we're not. Oh, we got to go so fast. Okay. What you believe about the obstacle will determine how you approach the obstacle, right? Jesus rebukes the storm. He's not confused. He's not like, well, it's a storm. Uh. He's not confused. He rebukes the storm. You got to know that God is good. And you got to know that Jesus is making all things new. So when you see things that are broken, things that reflect this fallen world, not the kingdom that Jesus brought, you know how to pray. Well, maybe God, maybe the Father gave this person cancer to teach them patience. People think like this. Well, then how do you pray? Do you pray against the will of the Father if you think it's his will to give this person cancer? You know what I'm saying? If you don't know that he's good... If you don't know that he's making all things new, you don't even know how to pray. Does it look like the kingdom? Does it look like on earth as it is in heaven? Well, then you know how to pray. 
you know how to partner with him. Jesus knew, Jesus knew who he was in the storm. And he knew the character of God in the storm. It wasn't to kill them. Really quick. The things that God has spoken through his word to you, you don't know the strength of it until it's tested. It's not like, hey, when I've learned all these things, it's all just going to happen really easy. It won't. The more that you learn of him, the closer you walk with him, the more revelation you receive of him, the more that word will get tested. And you won't know the strength of the word until it gets tested. That's the truth. And you see all through scripture, God will tell someone something, he'll promise someone something, and then all of a sudden the opposite will happen. David gets anointed king, then he's running for his life for years before he becomes king. I mean, look all through scripture. Happens all the time. The word of the Lord to people gets tested. So when the word of the Lord finally happens, they know the strength of it. Like nothing can stop him. Because he spoke this thing, then everything in the world conspired against it. And still he's victorious. You will know the strength of his word because it will get tested. When it gets tested, we start saying things like, well, maybe God heals everybody but me. Maybe, come on. It gets tested, and we start to get into agreement with what's broken instead of staying in agreement to his word. King David, I mean, I love him. He had issues, but I love that guy. Psalm 27, 13 through 14. King David, who's in the midst of like the word to him getting totally opposed, people are literally trying to kill him. If you're not familiar with the story, if you're, if you're new to the faith, and here's what he writes. I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. I would have lost heart unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he will strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. What does he say? I would have lost heart unless I believed I would see the goodness of God in the land of the living. He doesn't say, I would have lost heart if there wasn't heaven, just waiting for heaven, just waiting to die, and then everything can be new. He says, I believe I will see his word confirmed while I still have breath in my lungs. In the land of the living, I'm going to see the fulfillment of this word. And he said, if I hadn't known that, I would have lost heart. But while there's breath in my lungs, I'm going to see this fulfilled. Come on. So some of you are hanging on to stuff you know is God's will. Some of you are hanging on to stuff that's God's word to you, and it's getting tested. It's getting pushed back on. Listen, if you will hold tight to it, it will clarify who you are in him, and it will clarify the word, and you will know the strength of it. But you've got to decide in your heart, I will see the goodness of God in the land of the living. And I'm not going to settle for something second best and say, well, who knows when we all get to heaven, I guess... He doesn't need you to be on pause till you die. He has a mission. The spirit and the bride are saying, come. 
We are reconciling people to God as though he is pleading through us. Okay, I don't know, it got really quiet. I don't know. This, to me, this is like, yes! But I mean, I don't know, sometimes in the room, I don't know. And lastly, we're still on the recap. I'll go through the new stuff fast. Sorry. It's, okay. Yeah, sometimes I feel like, okay, you can just feel like it's something's taken root, but we're not there yet. And so I, I pull a little more. So the quieter you get, the longer they take. I'm just telling you, that's, there's a correlation. Someone needs to get out of hanky. Okay, here we go. Last thing. There is no promise of God that will not require something from us. There is no promise of God that will not require something from us. There is a cost. There is a cost. There will always be two trees in the garden. The one you can eat of, the one he said, you shall not eat of this tree. There will always be two trees in the garden. Every promise of God to us will come at a cost. It will require something from us. And this is part of the reason why your heart has to be so dead set on his lordship and his way. Because until you see the fulfillment, the cost sometimes feels really high. On the back end, you're like, that was nothing for God. Right? But when you're in the storm sometimes, your perspective gets skewed by the storm. We start to see God through the perspective of the storm instead of seeing the storm through the perspective of God. Right? Sometimes in the moment, the cost feels so high, and in the back end, you realize the cost of not believing him would have been unpayable. There will always be two trees in the garden. There will always be a choice. You're going to have to hang on to his word. You're going to make a choice to do it and to press through into it. This is so crucial, and part of the reason why I wanted to really hone in on this last week and this week is because I feel like for us as a body, we're at this point where God has seeded this culture into us. And I know it's different because I go other places, and people come here, and they... You know, you kind of forget, when we've been here a long time, we're like, this is just how you do church. But every time someone visits, um, <laughs> we're kind of reminded, like, there's something really cool God's doing here. The way we love each other is really good. And the fact that we value his presence in this house so highly, it's just good. What he's done here is really good. And the season we're coming into, I believe, is a season of breakthrough. There are things we've had before the Lord, and there's breakthrough, and you can feel it. How many of you can, it just feels like there's something percolating that's about to pop. That's what it feels like. How many of you have felt that too? Like, oh, there's a maturity in some of the things he's, it took a while for us to really understand what he was doing and saying, and there's a maturity that's coming um, that's going to bear fruit. And we need to know how to hang on to the word he spoke, and we need to know how to keep following that thing. Because let me tell you, some people give up during the trial, but some people give up during the increase. Some people lose sight of his word during the trial of getting there, but sometimes when you're in the increase in blessing, that's where people lose sight of the word he spoke. They lose sight of mission. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Israel did it every time. When stuff was bad, they'd begin to cry out to God. Then stuff got good and they'd forget. It wasn't by their own strength. It was his strength. And they'd forget who they were. 
So I'm just saying, we need to like have our sights set. He has equipped us to go into a hurting world globally through missions, here locally in the surrounding areas, and remember who we are. We are reconciling people to God. We are partnering with Jesus to see all things made new. We're on mission. And the mission isn't just getting a lot of people in a room. We can do that and not be making disciples at all. So, some things I want, specific things I want us to be in unity on as we come into this next season. Four things. First one, saturation. We have to be committed as a body to be abiding. And when I say that, if you're new to the faith, when I I say that, what I mean is you've got to be in the word. It's the revelation of God to you. And you can't just be in the word through me or through a teacher. You've got to be in the word. If you've never read through the Bible, do not start in the Old Testament. People always start in Genesis. I'm going to encourage you, start in the Gospels. The Gospels are the first four books of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And stay in the Gospels until you are so fascinated with Jesus, you don't want to think about anything else. Just get, just understand who he was, what he did. Get in the Gospels and stay there until they take root and then keep reading. And then we'll pick up the Old Testament. But you've got to be in the Word. You have to make time for the presence of God in your life. Consider turning off the radio and putting on worship music in your car you know, when you have rides alone. You know, find how can you fill. I'm not talking about, hey, here's a checklist. Have a devotional life in the morning. I'm saying how can we fill our lives? Yes, set aside time. But how can we fill our lives and saturate it with the presence of God? Get podcasts of awesome people. You can be hearing sermons all week. There's some I can suggest to you. Bill Johnson's fantastic. He's great. I like Tim Keller a lot. He's Presbyterian, but we'll forgive him for that. (laughs) Just kidding. I mean, there's a few people. If you want suggestions, there's great podcasts out there. I'm just, how can we saturate? Listen, when you're in storms, you got a lot of chaos around you. And you know how you don't pick up the chaos? Let your ground be saturated already. You can't stay away from the chaos. And listen, there's junk in our culture. I feel like there's so much that I see, I'm like, I never wanted to see that. I didn't want to hear that. I don't want to know that. How many of you feel like you get slimed regularly? You know how to not let that slime infect your mind and take root? Let your ground already be saturated. When the ground is saturated, nothing else can sink into it. It just starts overflowing and flooding the highways and byways. (laughs) We've got to be saturated as a congregation. We have to be committed. And I'm not talking about putting on like a heavy burden of legalism. I'm just saying, get with God and say, God, where are the areas? Where are the areas where I can just begin to... I loved hearing, I think it was Samara when she got baptized. She was talking about how how she began to develop just a time where she would pray, and one of the things she did was she stacked it. She puts on makeup every day. So she has turned her makeup time into a time where she's talking to Jesus because she knows she's going to come to it every day, and it's a significant period of time. Right, so she, it's a, she stacked it. 
This is what I'm talking about. Asking God, God, how can you just permit my life? Paul says in him, we live and we move and we have our being. Pray without ceasing. There's this sense of letting the atmosphere of God just flood our lives and being intentional about it, right? So get saturated. Get saturated. Then we won't make stupid mistakes. Because when the presence of God starts flowing, if people don't maintain personally an abiding time, you can be around this powerful presence of God. It kind of feels like you're abiding. How many of you have been there? When God's moving so powerfully, especially in a church, you can almost feel, you can have that sense of abiding when you've actually abandoned it. Maybe you even got busy doing Jesus stuff to take care of all the harvest. And I'm telling you, stupid happens. Stupid happens when you haven't kept your own ground saturated. Okay, got to move faster. <laughs> gathering. We've got to be committed to gathering in this season. What God has done among us isn't just for us. Like, it's awesome, our little family, right? And you almost think, I mean, every time marries, someone marries into a family, you're rolling the dice. Roll the dice, move your mice. I mean, you know what I'm saying? Like, come on. There's a reason why there used to be arranged marriages. You know, people were pretty skittish about this. Who would get in this family? Come on. <laughs> and honestly, churches can get that way too. We love what we have here. Oh, people start bringing in storms. People start bringing in some chaos. People start, that's why we have to know who we are so we can invite them into the peace. And there's got to be room for people. The church isn't like the safe place we come to hide from the world. It's the hospital we invite the world to. We've got to be about gathering. Jesus tells a parable where nobody wants to come to the, the king's feast. And so he says, you know, you've been inviting all the proper people. Now go out, find the people laying on the road. Go into the highways and byways and beat the bushes and bring those people, right? There are people, and I'm not talking about socioeconomic standard. It can be all over the socioeconomic, right, strata. There are people that you think, oh, they don't want Jesus. They're far from him. They'll be difficult. They'll be whatever. Listen, he's going to start beating those bushes, those you thought would never come, those who are down and out, those who seem up and out. We've got to be about gathering, not about two or three people gathering. All of us need to see we're on mission, in our spheres of influence, to proclaim the gospel. On gathering too, you're going to have to be willing to go into storms. There are situations you're like, ah, and Jesus is going to send you into those situations because you can bring peace to the storm. And I'm just telling you, there are times when, like for my husband and I, we do stuff Jesus' way. There's peace in our house there's peace in our house. It can get very easy to be like, man, life is super comfortable. Do we really want to upset the apple cart? <laughs> Come on. Because when you do stuff Jesus' way, it just brings blessing. It's just a blessed way to live. And we can start not wanting to upset the things you've built the right way. Come on, I'm just being honest with you. You can get in that mindset. Man, <clears throat> you get off mission. That stuff becomes hollow really quick. Because your meat is to do the will of him that sent you, just like Jesus. 
In the gathering stage, there's also believers who, I think there's a lot of folks who are kind of orphans. They're without family, and they do love the Lord, and something's happened, or they haven't been able to find a church, whatever's happened. There are people in this stage who are believers who are going to come and join us, and we got to make room. we got to make room. Third thing, in this season coming into 2019, we have to be good stewards of the harvest. We have to be good stewards of harvest, which means people can't just come in here and we're like, oh, I hope they had, I hope they encountered Jesus. Like, if people are going to come and become a part of what we are, they're going to have to have a relationship with people. Right? we got to make room. One thing we're doing on Wednesdays, we're praying and fasting. If you haven't signed up to be part of that team that's praying and fasting, um, you can let me know and I'll get you on there. Um, but every Wednesday this year, we're praying and fasting whether it's a meal or fasting the whole day. But specifically, we are praying about people who are coming in and the work that God is doing. Because how many of you know that spiritually you've got to prepare the soil sometimes? There are people who don't know how to spiritually fight for themselves. And the Bible says that the, the word is like a, a seed you'd put in the ground. The gospel goes out, the word goes out, and some ground is hard. It's not ready for the seed of the gospel. Some seed is good soil. And the seed of the gospel takes root, but then the weeds come, which is the cares of this world come, and they get confused, and they forget, and that seed dies. For some people, it says the ra- Jesus says the ravens come. He says the enemy, Satan, will come and steal that seed. It found good soil, but the enemy steals that seed. We need to be fasting and praying because God's bringing harvest, and how many of you know it can hit good ground? But people who are just finding Jesus, they don't know how to spiritually fight for themselves. We need to do it. Because cares of this world are going to come to steal that seed. The enemy will come to steal that seed. And there's work we need to do relationally, but also in prayer. Jesus, his heart was Father in John 17. Don't let me lose any you've given me. Every single person made in the image of God has value to God. As much value as I have to God. And we need to steward, harvest that way. This person who came through the doors today has value to God. God, what's my role? How can I be a blessing? How can I help that seed that's going to get planted today grow deep roots? So we're praying. In January on Wednesdays from 6 to 7, we meet here in the sanctuary and we pray over the year. You can join us in that. This Wednesday, we're praying over multiple things, but primarily the persecuted church. You can join us for that. Also, and this is a little bit, I know we're kind of in the super vanilla practical stuff, but honestly, one really important thing. Every single person in this room, if you're a regular attender, think of yourself as a greeter. Welcome, people. And honestly, we're really good at it. You guys are really good at it already, but don't just let like 10 people be good at it. All of us should be good at it. It's a bummer to come in to a church where you don't know anybody and sit by yourself. Now, some people are more introverted and they might like it, kind of, but <laughs> it's kind of nice when they can sit with you and they know about the church, they can talk to them and they can answer questions and come on, it's kind of nice. Someone takes time. In our culture, we give people lots of space. We shouldn't in church. Unless they clearly want you to. Which they will let you know. People have a way of letting you know they're done talking. 
They'll let you know. But all of us should think about that. Like, God, who are you bringing in? Who's the relationship? There's so many cool stories in this congregation of people that had like a providential conversation the first time they came in. God would just speak to something that very first time through somebody, not in the pulpit. All of us should be greeters. Everyone should see themselves as a prayer partner in this house. Every time there's a chance for prayer, be sensitive. Is the Lord encouraging you to tell the person next to you you'll go up with them if they have a need? Especially if they're newer and it would be awkward to come or even just pray with them there? Every single person in this room should be a prayer partner. Come on. Because we don't just come to receive from God. We've come to also partner with him and see him do stuff through us here. Both things happen in the house. There are also ministries like Sozo Ministry. We book and sit, and there's a team that will help process things with people. Huddles, which are starting up again in January, were discipleship huddles. We want everyone in this house to be equipped and how to make disciples. And going through a huddle is one way to do it. Alyssa, where's Alyssa? Alyssa's who you want to see about huddles? But there's lots of ways that we can connect people. People just coming through the door. Think about yourself when you just come through the door, right? You need to find some way of connection, and that's going to happen through all of us. Okay. Last thing. In this house, we should be cheerleaders for storm goers. There are people that came in this house today. God took them into some people's storms to bring peace. And they need a whole mess of encouragement today. They need some cheerleaders in the house. A storm got rough this week. They could use a hug. They could use a prophetic encouragement. They could use someone sitting next to them being like, hey, can I pray with you or go up with you? And they'd be like, yes. Sometimes, how many of you have ever come in the house, you're so exhausted, you don't even want to go up for prayer because you feel like, I'm just so tired I can't even get prayer. Because I'll get undone. And how have you been there? And just so I'm being like, hey, you need something? You're like, actually, yes, I do, but I wasn't going to go on my own. You're, come on. So all of us need that prompting to get what we need here to be equipped to go back out into the storm. There are some people in the house, God's fixing to send them into a storm to bring his peace. And they're in that stage where the word God has spoken to them is getting all kinds of opposition. And they're discouraged. They're discouraged in the house. And they need your encouragement. They need a hug. They need someone to say, hey, I'm with you. I'll pray with you. What you need. You don't have to be their best friend. You don't even have to know their name. Come on. We need to come in this house. Listen, for too long in the West, church has been a place where you come and professionals do things that everybody else receives from. And professionals don't allow everyone else to participate and everyone else is happy to stare forward in the back of someone's neck. That is not what the church is meant to look like. If you're in the house, there's stuff that God wants to do in you, but there's stuff he wants to do through you today too. And you should come ready to be like, God, who is it? Who you, who you got for me today? You don't need a name tag to do it. You can just do it because you're carrying the kingdom without measure.
we really don't have time for this, but really quick, cue to the Dane text. Sometimes people have really hard weeks. Um, this past week, um, my kids, it was the second week of holiday break, where all three children are in the house together for two weeks. And there are some days I can take meetings in my house, I can do work in my house, but sometimes I need to come to the office. I mean, there's some stuff I just need to come to the office for and some meetings that need to happen in the office. So there was a day where both Mitch and I <laughs> were both, they were alone, three alone in the house. So this is Dane. He has a phone that doesn't have, it's not really, it's like an old phone, but he can text Mitch on it. And so these are, these are his texts. Mitch starts with, this is just a little cap, this is a long going thing, but we'll just do one. Mitch first says, dude, eat something. So you can imagine what came before that text. Like, dude, eat something. This is my nine-year-old who's texting. He says, I don't know what to eat. And Luke and Max were saying how I should eat and how I will starve. I once again lost an argument over turns. Save me from this kid and teenager. <laughs> Do you think it's safe to come out now? I don't know where he was. <laughs> don't answer. Passive aggressive. Um, I can only think of scrambled eggs and spaghetti. Dude, just eat milk and cereal for a snack. <laughs> we will be home soon. <laughs> And poor Kitty also had an infected tooth this week, and he had to have it pulled. So here's, yeah. Did you hear that we're taking you to a dentist on Wednesday morning, two days from now? No. It's an early morning appointment, so I'll, it'll just be you and me. I have a question. If you know Dane, I have a question. Sure. Are they Christian? <laughs> Good question. I don't know. We can ask when we get there. If no, we could actually save them. This kid's on mission already. In the middle of a storm. Big old swollen, yeah. So Mitch says, yes, exclamation points. And then he starts having anxiety about it. I thought world missions were to make everybody Christian. Am I right? <laughs> yep, preach the gospel to every tribe and tongue and nation. Right on. I do have a deathly fear about them disagreeing and doing bad stuff to us. <laughs> we need more proof. <laughs> Don't worry about that. We have a good government and there's strong laws about that. spread the gospel but then he has these visions of being immobilized in a dentist chair and the dentist disagreeing and then I don't know doing damage I don't know <laughs> I'm just saying his, for his nine-year-old mind this was serious considerations sometimes you're, people have been in a storm all week you don't know you don't know we should come ready being cheerleaders for people that are storm goers all right where's your team come up stand I want to call a few things out of us before we respond to God. Oh, that boy. If you would stand. 2019, it's going to be a good year. And for us as a church, it's going to be a year of making disciples. It's been happening, but you can just feel like something's about to blow off the back door. That's what it feels like. And when I hear your stories through the week, things that God is doing and speaking to people, healing people, getting healed, where they're getting prayed for in offices and on the street, and it's so cool. We need to be ready. And part of that is setting our heart on him. 
Maybe you've struggled with setting your heart on him. Maybe the distractions of this world come. You get on point with him. You get distracted. It gets muddled. Maybe you've been far from him. Maybe you've never been close to him. I don't know. But as we set our intentions for 2019, as a congregation, we need to set our hearts on him fully. God, I want to do what you're doing. Maybe there's things you need from him today, but you also want him to just do things through you. You're ready not to just to be chaos or be thrown about by chaos. You want to have this internal sense, growing atmosphere of heaven in you that you're bringing to storms. You're bringing to circumstances. Part of this surrender is saying, Jesus, I am willing to go into the circumstances. I'm willing to be in the circumstances that are tough, that are hard, to be light and darkness, to see your kingdom come and your will be done. Really today is like surrender. God, we're surrendering this year to you. We're surrendering our plans. We're centering our heart on you. We just want to do what you're doing. We just want to do what you're doing. He's not a part of our lives. He saturates every part of our lives. Our work is about him. Our relationships are about him. Everything in our lives comes back to him. So I don't know what he's speaking to you. I'm sure it's different all through the room. But can we take some time to respond to him? You might want to respond and get prayer. There's people up here that can pray with you, people in back that can pray with you, someone next to you can pray with you. Maybe you just want to respond to God in worship. Maybe you want to come and kneel and pray, whatever you want to do. But let's respond to him. Would you get a word for this year? Would you have him center your heart and speak to you? What's he saying? What's he doing? Let's take some time.
is amazing grace This is unfailing love That you would take my place That you would bear my cross You lay down your life That I would be set free
for prayer yet and you want to get prayer um now's a good time grab your partner if you want um if you want someone to pray over you in the congregation you guys have the power of the holy spirit filled inside of you um so pray over each other um if you want to find your own spot if you want to come to the altar um feel free to do that or to go find your own spot feel free just be free in the house amen amen Sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Twas great. 
first one. I know we've got a little long today. It's good to start the year in God's presence, isn't it? So good. We're going to end with the hymn, All to Jesus I Surrender. We're going to have our benediction before that. So during that song, if you just want to encourage somebody, if you want to pray for somebody before you go, hug somebody, it's a good time to do it. Gathering this week. Um, in January, we always preach the global gospel, what God is doing, the gospel going out into all the world, which is why it's missions month. So next week, we'll be talking about the explicit gospel. If you've got someone in your life who needs to hear the explicit gospel, it'll be really clear next week. Really clear. Good time to gather. Good time to bring. Sometimes there's believers who need to be reminded about the explicit gospel and encouraged in their faith. So in terms of gathering, next week we're talking about the gospel, specifically the gospel. In terms of saturation this week, Obviously, what you do in your life with God, but also Wednesday from 6 to 7, we'll be praying here. You're welcome to come and join. Um, the men have a Bible study going on right now on Saturdays. It starts at 8.30. Um, so Jeff Clanton, Jeff, you can raise your hand, and Ken. Um, I'm not sure Ken's at in the room. I know he's in the room. Um, they're who you want to see. It's only four weeks long. So getting it power pack for four weeks, starting the year off. And I mean, as soon as the Bible study ended or the book study ended this Saturday, I was getting texts saying it was so good. Everyone should come. It was so good. Um, so 8.30. So Jeff is the guy you want to see if you want more info on that. Women's Bible studies every other week and this week, 9.30 on Saturday. Is it here? So Dana, stand up, wave to everybody, Dana. Dana is who you want to see. Women's Bible study every other week, and this Saturday is Women's Bible study. Um, lots of stuff going on. I know young adults go out to lunch on Sunday. There's all kinds of stuff. Youth is next week. There's all kinds of ways to connect um, and get saturated. There's a calendar online. You can see all of that. But find ways to get saturated, right, in your own life this week. Get saturated. Let his presence saturate you. We're on mission. There's no time to waste. We're on mission together. We can encourage anybody, but I know Christine, man, she needs some encouragement and prayer today. Her dad was in intensive care all week, and her brother had a stroke yesterday, and just getting bombarded. So love, love Christine well today. Encourage her. I know she was asking for prayer earlier, um, praying for her. Um, take time. Let's take time to encourage each other as we sing this last song. All to Jesus I surrender. All to Him I freely give. I will ever love and trust Him in His presence daily live. I surrender. Jesus, I surrender.
Jesus, all forsaken, take me, Jesus, take me now. I surrender all. I surrender all. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Love you.